Hey, it's your friend Seth Harwood. You know, your old pal. Author of the Jack Palms crime series, Young Junius, In Broad Daylight, Everyone Pays. You know, your friendly neighborhood Patreon podcaster. And at SethHarwood.com, as always. Today I have for you a presentation of a reading that I did a couple of weeks ago in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. My friend Dan Pope helped me put this on, and we did it at a place called Stockbridge Coffee and Tea. It was an awesome little used bookstore. We had a really good time, and something really fascinating happened, which I will tell you about at the end of this episode. But for now, I'm going to roll right into the live reading, let you check it out and enjoy it, and then... I will tell you who was at the reading, who I met, which was very exciting. Okay, for now, check it out. It's really fun to be here. <clears throat> so this book is called The Maltese Jordans. It is the... Let's see, let me get nice and long. Uh, I'm too tall. Uh, so it's called The Maltese Jordans. <clears throat> it's the fifth in the series, but it's really made to stand alone. Uh, and it's about a guy, Jack Palms, who was sort of a um, one-hit wonder Hollywood action movie star. And then his career sort of petered out. And now he, um, in this situation, is chasing after a guy uh, who jumped bail in San Francisco and ran off to Hawaii, Kauai specifically, to chase after a mythical, legendary pair of Michael Jordan sneakers that some people call the Maltese Jordans. And so at this point that where we pick up the story, the guy that he's chasing is, is named Mayor Modi. Uh, and Jack has caught up with Modi and decided to spend a little more time on the island helping Modi find the sneakers before they go back to San Francisco to get him his bond. There's these guys, brothers on the island, who are called the Kaloa Brothers, they are sort of like Kauai Island gangsters on a low level. It's not a very crime-ridden place. So this is where um, Jack has taken Modi to go to the Kaloas' house and try to get his sneakers back from the Kaloas. And this, al- this chapter is called Red Harvest. Does that mean anything? To- you got that one? Have it. Totally. And the title of the book is The Maltese Jordans, which is a total Hammett ripoff. And I love Hammett and Chandler forever. What? Hammett who? Hammett Scanlon. Yeah, good. Okay. Now Doc turned me around, and I saw the fourth brother enter the room, the one I hadn't seen at Modi's. He was smaller than the others and younger by a few years. This would be the one named after Jay Leno. So the mother of the Kaloas has these four island sons who are really big, but one of them is really small. They might not all have the same father, but they're all named after uh, people who were on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So this one is called Jay Leno, post-Johnny... Anyway, so uh, if they all had the same mother, he came from a different father for sure, looked like maybe a white guy from the mainland, which I was sure would cause strife. He pulled Modi in behind him, cradling his neck in a chokehold and yanking him around. I could hear Johnny walking their mother toward the bedrooms, doing his best to calm her down. I'm not moving, I said. 
Even if I wanted to, Doc held me tight. Big Eddie got up off the floor behind us. To the smaller brother, he said, I got this, Jay. Hang on. He came around to look me in the face. I should break you right now. I think on the page prior to this... Anyway, there was a fight. Uh, Modi said, Do what they tell you, Jack. Doc told his brother where I had a gun, and Eddie went for it. He plucked it right out of the back of my shorts. This, he said. You brought this into our house? Eddie shook his head. That is terrible manners. Then he cracked me across the cheek with its stock while his brother held me still. I tasted blood on the inside of my mouth and spit onto the floor. Let my biggest fan clean that one. Clean that up once her boys had finished with me. The mother of the Kaloas is a big fan of Jack's movie. There's a couple of those around. Uh, even Modi said, Jesus, Jack. I laughed. This whole thing was becoming a comedy of errors, a series of mistakes that was drawing me deeper and deeper into trouble. Eddie paced in front of me, waiting to decide his next move, but Leno whistled to get his attention, then stopped him in his tracks with one look. Bring it, I said. Show me what you got, boys. Instead, Leno tightened his grip on Modi's neck, putting on the full squeeze. Modi whined. His knees buckled. Leno said, take him outside. Doc walked me backward toward the front door. I should mention that I'm really happy to be reading here with Dan. This book probably wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Dan. I gave him a draft of it a long time ago when it was just a short story. I went to Kauai, wrote a short story that took place on Kauai so I could write off the trip for my taxes, and Dan said, you got to make this into a novel, and this one part that has sneakers in it is really cool. You should blow it up. So based on Dan saying that, in 2013 or 14, 2014, I made this novel, wrote it. We talked about it in the Berkshires, and then it just came out this year in February. So it was more about sneakers than I did a lot of sneaker research for this book. <laughs> it was very painful. You won't, you won't believe it. Yeah. Can you talk about your sneakers at yeah, some point? I can. These are Jordan 11s. Uh, those are Jordan 4s. Uh, oh my God. And on the back of the book is a picture of me. At, there's a store in New York City called Flight Club, and they have every Jordan sneaker ever. All the different styles and colorways, uh, and you can see them all there. So this is me in New York City with, uh, these are the 11 bread, because they're black and red, and they're super epic, so I'd be happy anyway. I promise we're not going to spend the whole Q&A talking about sneakers. Because that's what happened last time, and this time... Good. Okay. So anyway, it's really fun to be here with Dan because he really helped me birth this baby. Uh, Doc walked me backward toward the front door. Eddie went around to open it, and we all walked outside onto the welcome mat. I heard Modi scream from back in the living room, and I pictured Johnny and Leno working him over, trying to find out where he had his money. Eddie slammed the door shut behind him. Now it was just the three of us outside, me, Doc, and Eddie. Doc let me go, which almost made it a fair fight, except Eddie was holding the gun. The funny part was that I knew it wasn't loaded that I'd left the bullets back in the glove box of my Jeep, and I was the only one. Eddie didn't seem eager to use it as anything other than a blunt object anyway. He spread his arms. We out here now, Jack. What you want, really? What you come to this island for? Modi, I said. I'm taking him back. So why you come here, then? You had him. 
He shook his big head, his big head slowly. Uh-uh, try again. Modi, and now the shoes. He smiled as wide as his face could handle. The Maltese Jordans, he said. Then he laughed. They legend. You for real think they exist? And we let you just walk away with them? I shifted my weight from one foot to the other, waiting for one of them to make a move. I also read his face, trying to read any tell he might be giving up. Nothing. Where, well, are they? His face barely moved as he said, Oh, they real, and they here. Where are they going to stay? Let me see them. Now his smile widened as he nodded. Suddenly he understood what I was doing. Maybe I did, too. You look, you leave. What about Modi? You take him back dead, does that help you? I thought it over. How I'd get a dead man onto a plane, what Joe Lenardi would say about that, and whether I thought they'd actually kill him. I didn't have good answers to any of these, except about me getting a dead man onto a plane. I didn't want any weekend at Bernie shenanigans. And I knew I'd be screwed if I went back without him, so my only choice was to press on. No, I need him alive. Let's work this out. That took things down about seven levels. They looked like they still didn't trust me, but it went from an 11 to about a 4. We all walked back inside where we found Modi massaging his neck and Mama Kaloa reading her boys the riot act. What's all this about, she asked. You boys all come clean or I go wild for all the damage you've done to my furniture. Leno said, Jesus, we'll pay for it. She slapped him across the back of his head. The Lord's name, but we... She shook her head. Jack Palms, what's going on here? Just some friendly trading gone wrong, I'm afraid. Seems like your boy's friend, Mr. Modi here, borrowed money from your boys to purchase a high-priced item, and now they have taken it back. Modi jumped in. It's not like I didn't want to pay them back. I just need to sell the kicks first. Then I'll have the money. All of the brothers stared holes in his chest. All your money, Modi said. But come on, you got to let up on that vig. It's ridiculous. What? Mrs. Kaloa threw her hands up. You boys going bananas with that vig again? What'd I tell you about that practice? Eddie lowered his eyes. Not to run it up too high. Leno chimed in. Especially not on locals. That's right. No Shylocking true islanders. He's your friend. I stepped back. A part of me was about to lose my mind with this, but I also knew it was deadly serious. Modi had stolen a big chunk of change from his San Francisco firm to pay these guys. And now that I knew who was backing this firm, whose money it was, what kind of goons he was trying to pay off, I was certain he'd, wrong, he'd robbed the wrong Peter to pay Paul. Do you even realize what you've done here? The level of trouble this has caused? All we need to do, Modi said, is sell the shoes. How? Where? New York City. There's a big sneaker convention there this weekend. Sneaker Con. People there will know about these shoes. Trust me, they will be a highlight of unbelievable proportions. That's where we can make some real cheddar selling these. Then we can all get paid. I didn't have to do any mental math to figure out the pie was getting split into smaller and smaller portions if we went forward with paying off the Kaloas. Then Modi got his, and I got mine, with Gina's share in there too. The risks were getting ever higher, and the payoff, not so much. Plus, with the Italian family from San Francisco involved now, too, it was shaping up to be a big mess. Too big to keep one of my feet in. I was ready to let the Kaloas have the shoes, settle that score with Modi for them by any means, and let him go right to jail. I would take my cut from Lenardi, avoid Mahogany and the Italians, and be fully finished. Shoes, Jordan, NBA history, 
bigger payouts and everything else involved, I was ready to let it go. I'm ready to bring this all to an end, I said. I have a solution that should make everyone happy. Just one thing. The Kaloas nodded. Their mother spoke for them, asked me what my stipulation was. I need to see these Jordans. The Maltese. Modi perked up. Yeah, he said. Take us to the shoes. Mrs. Kaloa looked at her sons. They both rolled their eyes. These shoes, Leno said. They are purely the stuff of legend. You probably haven't even seen the YouTube. There's a YouTube, I said. So go get them, said Mama Kaloa. Uh-uh. You come with us. Leno turned and led us back toward the kitchen. Johnny was hanging out by the refrigerator, eating cake. He looked like he wanted to eat me. I knew all four of them together could take me apart piece by piece and kick Modi's ass up and down the block, but they weren't doing it. Something about their island gangster sensibility preferred the competition of the one-on-one combat, or one-on-two to the gang-jump destruction, and I could appreciate that. The chivalry of it all. It was keeping me alive. Leno waved Johnny aside. I'm taking him in, he said. Led, they led me back through the kitchen and down the hall to the back rooms. At the last of them, the door was locked. Eddie produced a thick chain from in, inside his shirt and took it off over his head. A single key hung from it like a pendant. He unlocked the door and stood aside. Leno walked into the room and Doc pushed me from behind to follow. Inside the room was bare but for a single shaded window and a futon couch. Leno knelt down at the couch and slid a footlocker out from underneath. Eddie handed him a key that he used to open it. When the lid came up, I thought for a moment they had lit the thing from inside. But there were no light bulbs there, just a single golden shoebox. Light from a high window shone into the room and reflected impossibly off the gold. I almost had to shield my eyes from the glow of it. Damn, Leno said. Sure is nice. Doc and Eddie said the same thing almost at once. First, the YouTube. Leno said, yeah, I get it. He took a laptop out of the footlocker, then closed the lid and set the computer down on top. As soon as the lid closed, the room seemed to dim, like the sun coming in was actually magnified by its reflection off the gold. Was that? I asked. I couldn't tell if the box had been cardboard or something stronger, but it looked nicer than if it were just spray-painted gold cardboard. I thought it might actually be covered with gold leaf. Is that? Leno nodded. Yeah, we couldn't believe it either. But first this. He fired up the computer and waited for a minute for it to boot. The room was a tight little number, just four walls, a high window, and the futon. If this was anybody's bedroom, it hadn't been used in a while. Leno looked past me to his brothers. Man, I want to show him. Touch them again. They both said no, that we all had to wait. Okay, okay. Leno started typing into the browser's search bar. He typed a long string of characters that didn't look like words or any URL I recognized. Then I noticed a scrap of yellow sticky note taped to the gray frame above the monitor. This isn't YouTube, Leno said. More like dark web. We pulled this from an email Eminem sent us back in his funding proposal stage. So the character's name is Mayor Modi, and some people call him Eminem like the rapper, and other people call him M&Ms like the candy. (laughs) This convinced us. And still no idea how that son of a bitch found it, like some sort of sneakerhead dark message board. Who knows? A funny-looking search box opened on his screen, and Leno typed something with Jordan and Malta into the field. A pair of grainy videos came up. 
Behind me, Doc chuckled. Love this, he said. Leno shifted his legs so he was kneeling on both knees in front of the locker. I still can't believe he found this. Who the hell could do that? He clicked on the first video and I leaned forward. As the image box expanded, I recognized the grainy footage that everyone used back in the 90s on tape-based camcorders, pre-digital, before HD was even a concept in some nerd's dream. What I saw there looked like some kind of gym. Wood floors and stacked wooden bleachers, almost like a high school. Nobody in the frame. Someone was just figuring out the camera. I could hear talking, not in English. Sounded like some sort of Arabic. Then I heard a deep voice that I thought I recognized as Michael's. That unmistakable baritone, the confidence it excluded, it exuded. Can you turn it up, I asked. Leno shook his head. Nah, that's as loud as it goes. He's not close to the camera, and the equipment, as you can see, is pretty much the basics from that era. Then the camera moved, panned across the court, and I saw some players that I thought I recognized. Allah Abdul Nabi talked to a shorter guy in a yellow jersey. Then I saw someone I knew without a doubt. That has to be, I said. I couldn't help myself. I'd come forward, was pointing at the screen. Cap, Leno said. Big Lou, the man himself. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Dude who fought Bruce Lee in fucking Game of Death. God damn. I swore. There was no mistaking the man. Arms from here until forever. Long legs, shaved head, big goggles perched above his eyes. Skyhook, I said. And then the frame shifted and I saw who Kareem was talking to. MJ. Michael Jordan. The frame bounced as if someone had bumped into the camera. Jordan left the frame and all I saw was wooden floor again. Staccato exclamations in Arabic like someone swearing. Then the video cut out. It was over. You didn't see them, did you? Leno looked at me, waiting. What? I saw him. But I don't know where the hell that was. Could have been a practice for an all-star game or something. No, no, no. You know what you saw. He started to adjust a slider underneath the video, pulling it back to where Jordan was on the screen. He clicked a few features and then pressed pause, and now it started moving forward again, but slowly. This was some sort of super slow-mo version of the footage I'd just seen. The cameraman got bumped, a sound like someone hitting the mic. Then the camera went shaky, even more blurry, and the frame shifted. First it zigged right, and Jordan cut out. Then it zagged left, and I saw Jordan again, still next to Kareem. Now... Leno lifted his hand and timed a final click of the trackpad carefully. The image froze just as the camera panned down toward what would eventually be just a shot of the floor. But he had stopped it before that happened. And when he did, there they were. Impossibly captured right in the middle of the screen. Below the long shorts, the calf sleeve, and the short socks. A pair of Jordan 11s with gold where the, pat where the black patent leather would usually be. I saw them there on his feet, studded with jewels, shiny stones that I couldn't have told you anything about except they were there. He had them right on this screen. That's them, Leno said, the Maltese. And he basically took the words right out of my mouth, my head even. I knew what I was looking at and that Modi had been absolutely telling the truth all along. Thank you, thank you. So then, obviously, the applause went on for a long time. This is Seth, back to you from the podcast in the basement. And it was a lot of fun to do that reading. Uh, my friend Dan Pope was there. Uh, he's one of my classmates from Iowa. He read a new short story of his that just won a Pushcart Prize, which is really cool. 
And um, I was really happy to read from the Maltese Jordans. This is the only time that I read this particular section. I've been trying to switch it up when I read in public so that I have good stuff for you guys to get to hear on the recording. And I had read the first section there, the Red Harvest chapter, at another reading that I didn't record. But that was the first time that I've read the YouTube piece aloud to an audience. And that was really fun. And there weren't necessarily any real basketball heads in the audience like there were at my New York reading. But there were these two people in the audience who got there early. um, And I sort of noticed them. uh, Interesting looking couple. And I, um, I was putting on my Jordans. It was very hot. And I had been wearing flip-flops, but I brought a couple pairs of Jordans to put on for the reading because it felt like that was a good thing to do. And I remarked to the guy, you know, you got to, when you're doing an official reading, you got to put on the right shoes. And he kind of laughed at that. Um, But what I found out after the reading, when I actually started talking to these two, was that their story is that they hiked the Pacific Crest Trail Back in around 2014 or 2015, um, their names are uh, Olive McGloin and Daryl Johnson, which I found out by Googling them. Actually, Olive is the first woman who ever did the Pacific Crest Trail both ways. They call it the yo-yo if you start in Mexico and go all the way up to Canada and then turn around and go back again. So... um, it's about a 5,000-mile walk, uh, and in in the film or book Wild, the main character does 1,000 miles of that. So it's like, this big book, Wild, blah, blah, blah. This woman did a fifth of what Olive and Daryl did. Um, really amazing stuff. And I'll include a link to an article about it in the Irish Times, but... So Daryl had mentioned that Olive was the first woman to ever complete the yo-yo. And so I was able to find them online after the fact. Uh, But what was really amazing was that as they were talking about this hike that they had done, they said that they were big fans of patio books back when they were doing this. And they each had an iPod or iPhone and they would like get their episodes queued up and then sync them and start them together and basically listen to all of my stuff, they knew Jack Palm's crime and Seth Harwood fiction from patio books back in the day, five years or more ago, and they had been staying for a few months in Western Mass in the Berkshires and seen a flyer for this event at the co-op in Great Barrington and saw my picture, recognized me, had actually listened to all of my books on patio books while they were doing this epic hike that went from April to August for them to cover the 5,000 miles. They were basically doing 25 miles a day on average for like however many months that is, four months. It's amazing. Um, And they were like super low amounts of uh, equipment they were carrying, They basically shared a toothbrush so that they didn't have to carry any weight. And they did this amazing hike. There's a video that you can see on the Irish Times website. But what was really cool is that they knew my fiction and had listened to all of the books 
hiking on this amazing hike, listened to them together, shared them, made jokes around the Jack Palm stuff, knew Young Junius, knew all the Jack Palms books, and were so excited to hear me read in person that they had driven over to Stockbridge and came, and I was just really excited to meet them. That was really exciting. Uh, Daryl is from England, and Olive is from Ireland. They both had accents, which was the first thing that I noticed. And it was just really amazing that they came out and did the reading. And this was kind of a small event. I had a couple of friends there, and there were some other folks who I didn't really know. But I never had imagined that at this small reading, there would be a longtime Seth Harwood fan and someone who had listened to all the books. So it was really cool to meet them and get their story and feel like my podcasting fiction is out there and touching people. And I'm really happy to bring this to you on Patreon and at SethHarwood.com. And in the next couple of weeks or month, uh, I'm going to be thinking about what my next steps are as far as podcasting and online stuff goes. I finished podcasting the Maltese Jordans. Uh, I've been doing the Office Hour. And I want to ask you guys on my website and on Patreon, what is of interest to you for me to continue producing in terms of online content. And so those questions will be coming up soon. If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear from you in an email. Uh, it's Seth at SethHarwood.com or SethHarwood at Gmail. You can also comment here on the web page, wherever you heard this, on my website or on Patreon. That's SethHarwood.com or Patreon.com slash SethHarwood if you want to pledge and support. In any case, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Daryl and Olive for listening all the way across that amazing hike and to coming out in Stockbridge. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you're enjoying your summer. And I appreciate you. I thank you. I hope you're doing well. And I'll be back soon with more.